Welcome back. What's going on, Richmond? Happy Monday. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Got you covered on both ends of the dial, 910 AM, 105.1 FM here in Richmond, Virginia. We're live and local Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. And here on Mondays, broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. Come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show as Burger Night is back and better than ever. Returning to Capital Ale House every Monday from 3 p.m. to close, get a quarter-pound smashed and seared burger or cheeseburger for just $2.95, just such an incredible price. Great deal. Or upgrade to bacon and blue cheese or bacon and beer cheese for $3.95. The original burger night back at Capital Ale House every Monday. All of the Richmond area locations, Midlothian, downtown, or with me here in Innsbruck Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. We'll talk a little college hoops with Marcus Mook Washington at 1.30. We'll get Rick Snyder. Sergeant Snyder in the AWOD Army will join us at 2 p.m. to talk Commanders. And it is 1 p.m. here on AWOD Radio, which means it's time for the Richmond Commander. It's time for the Richmond Commander. Are you ready for the phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. So there are two teams left in the NFL playoffs you have the Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers there are two teams left in the NFL who have still not decided on their head coach for next season after conducting several injury uh, interviews but it appears both teams are dragging out the process for a reason that's the Seattle Seahawks and the Washington Commanders as they're waiting 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 for their candidates that they'd like to interview for this job to fall out of the NFC and AFC championship games. And, of course, the Detroit Lions offense coordinator Ben Johnson is widely believed to be at the top of Washington's list, with Adam Schefter saying the commanders also want to hold interviews with Lions defense coordinator Aaron Glenn, Ravens assistant Mike McDonald, and Anthony Weaver, including Dallas Cowboys defense coordinator Dan, Kin, uh, Dan Quinn, all remain very much in play, but Washington has their highest interest in Ben Johnson. And Ben Johnson is now available to be interviewed this week by Washington in person. And I believe he will be announced later this week as the next head coach of your Washington Commanders. Many people many people, and insiders around the league have said it is a, quote, pretty gone, pretty foregone conclusion that Ben Johnson will make his way out of, De- out of Detroit after this epic season coaching the Lions offense and come to Ashburn to be the next head coach of the Washington Commanders. Jeff Darlington of ESPN said, quote, it's a pretty much foregone conclusion in Washington, albeit one that we'll have to wait on to see with certainty that Ben Johnson will wind up being the coach of the Commanders after the Lions season ends. Well, the Lions season came to an end this weekend and now It is time for Ben Johnson to move on from Detroit and come over here to Washington. And look, if you're a Commanders fan, you've got to love what you saw in that first half. I mean, Stubb, you were watching this game. Detroit's offense looked fantastic in that first half. (laughs) Absolutely. I was was licking my lips thinking, man, Ben Johnson's going to have so much success here in Washington. And I really... I really thought I, I was I was dreaming up Lions going to the Super Bowl and beating the Chiefs. 
That would have been so awesome and made me so yeah. happy. But still, it's not like Ben Johnson didn't look good <laughs> for no. most of so the So the Lions got the ball five times in the first half. Five times. First drive, four plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Give me a ding for that. That's seven points. Detroit's on the board. Then the Niners miss a field goal. Lions get the ball, go the length of the field, 11 plays, 62 yards, touchdown. Great play design there in that drive from Ben Johnson. Then it's a seven-play, seven 29-yard drive. They miss a third down, and they punt. They follow that up with a five-play, 46-yard touchdown drive, and then a field goal right before half. I mean, just 24 points scored. Basically, the first half, the perfect first half play design and play calling from Ben Johnson. Uh, there was the flea flicker, right? There was the end around uh, where Jamison Williams scored. There was the hard play action. There was getting Sam Laporta involved. There was the ability to run the ball as well, right? That's why the first half, I think, was so impressive by the Lions, Stub, is it wasn't just Jared Goff stepping back and slinging it. They were able to ground and pound and set up play action. Uh, they did everything to perfection, really, in the first half. It's a, it's a full understanding of the offense at every level. That, that Washington did not see this year. And I, with Ben Johnson, no matter what roster we have, I think we can hope for, for better play calling. Yeah, and look, the odds makers seem to agree that Johnson is coming to Washington. It is now minus 1,000 uh, to bet on the next commander's head coach. Uh, second highest odds are Dan Quinn, and I only think that Dan Quinn's being mentioned and Mike McDonald's being mentioned and Bobby Slowick and a few of these other guys are because, you know, Ben Johnson could decide to go to another team or could decide to stay in Detroit and try to uh, achieve what they went after this year, in which that is getting the Lombardi Trophy, getting to the Super Bowl and winning it. He could decide, hey, I've got a better chance to have success here in Detroit next year with the amount of weapons that we have that are young and kind of growing into their own, and we still have our franchise quarterback in Jared Goff. Or he could say, hey, I waited last year. I turned down interviews last year. I took this entire season to kind of watch what Dan Campbell does right, watch things uh, around the league and see how I would change things if I was given the head coaching reins of another NFL franchise. I think he's going to decide that he's ready to become a head coach. He's right at that prime age. I believe he's 37 years old. It's right around the same time Sean McVay got hired, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, all these guys that are young up-and-comers that have had success in the league. Um, so I think Ben Johnson's going to come to Washington by the end of this week. I, I, I'm very confident in that stuff. Are you kind of feeling the same way here that as much as he had success with Detroit, he's ready to become a head coach in this league? And you get to work for a guy that put together the Niners roster who are going yeah. to the Super Bowl. I, I think I, I think it's such a great prospect to go to Washington. I think I, I would have been a little bit more worried about him staying if the Lions won the Super Bowl. He might uh -huh. want to stay, run it back with Dan Campbell. But I think not making it, I think he's ready to be a head coach. And Johnson, of course, was promoted to offensive coordinator for the 2022 season, and he helped Jared Goff and the offense become one of the most powerful and consistent units over the second half of last season and all of this season. Was considered a top coaching candidate, but decided to return to the Lions. Jared Goff said last January, quote, of Ben Johnson. He said he's been an instrumental, as instrumental as any coach I've ever had. Our communication is as good as I've ever been a part of, and he does a great job with not just me, but everybody getting everybody 
ready to play. I think you can point to more than just Jared Goff's success. I think you can point to Amon Ross St. Brown's excellence. Jamison Williams getting involved slowly in the offense since he returned um, from the suspension. You've got Jameer Gibbs being a superstar running back and also catching passes out of the backfield. David Montgomery kind of reinvented his career after he was kind of kicked out of uh, Green Bay a few years ago. And then Sam Laporta. Uh, I mean, just so much success within that offense. And, you know, what like we talked about with David Harrison, it's the balance, and that's what's the most impressive thing to me. I was fired up for Eric Bieniemy. Turns out Eric Bieniemy, even though he was a running back and a longtime running back coach in this league, does not like to ever run the ball. All right, and we're going to change that next year. All right, oh, we're yeah. going to get back to grounding and pounding and setting up hard play action because that's what Ben Johnson has done so successfully here in the last two years. I mean, you just look at the way. And, and the Lions did it in that first half. Several plays where they had Goff lined up at shotgun, and then they audibled, and he went under center, and they either handed off or did a play-action pass. And so I just I really liked the balance in the offense. The play calling in the first half was tremendous on third down, getting guys open. Uh, they had one play where you know Goff kind of rolled out to the right and then threw back to his left uh, to hit an open receiver. I mean, he look the the Niners have one of the best defenses in football, and for the first half, Dan, uh, excuse me, Ben Johnson had them completely fooled, completely fooled. Yeah, up 24 to 7. Ben Johnson's going to make Brian Robinson Jr. look like a superstar next year. I really Ooh. believe that. Ooh, I hope so. I hope so. I think he can unlock Terry McLaurin as well. And then the commanders will, of course, draft a quarterback, draft an offensive lineman, and hopefully draft a superstar tight end because I think that oh, yeah. is what's definitely missing here. If you look at the two teams left, they both have stars at tight end in George Kittle and, of course, Big game, Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910, or you can tweet us at 910thefan at AWOD Radio. Trevor tweets us, happy Monday, AWOD Army. He says he wants the 49ers to win because he's tired of Taylor Swift, and they're probably going to show her a lot. Is everybody tired of Taylor Swift? I, I said last week, I want more Taylor Swift. I'm, I'm not hating. There was a lack I'm of Taylor at all. Uh, this last game, I feel like. I, I don't remember <laughs> barely seeing her at all. I think they waited until like the third or fourth quarter yeah. to show her. Yeah. Uh, but I don't have a problem with it at all. I know the sports junkie spent like 15 minutes <laughs> talking about it and taking calls. They had a 92-year-old lady call in and say she hates Taylor Swift. <laughs> Because she wants to hear the you know the commentators talk about the game and not Taylor Swift's next album. I, it so feels like so little percentage of the game is focused on her. I, I don't right. understand. I mean, we this. talked about it last week. In the entire uh, two games the Chiefs have played in the playoffs, she was shown for a minute and 42 seconds. I want more Taylor Swift. If you want to chime <laughs> in, 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck. Come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show. Take an extended lunch break here on a Monday. You deserve it. Uh, Pat McAfee show going on right now on ESPN, and Adam Schefter just made headlines on the show. Uh, Stub, I'm really surprised by this comment. Adam Schefter reporting on the Pat McAfee show for ESPN. He says, quote, I'm not convinced yet that Ben Johnson is getting the commander's job. People think Ben Johnson is going to Washington and Dan Quinn going to Seattle. He said, I will bet you at a minimum 
that one of those isn't right and maybe both. There is drama this morning in the NFL as Adam Schefter reports. Maybe Ben Johnson isn't coming to Washington. Uh, let's go around the NFL right now, recap those big games, and talk about the coaching searches here on NFL Hits. And I'll tell you this, Stubb, that would shock me if both Ben Johnson and Dan Quinn don't go to Washington or Seattle. Um, I, I could see McDonald going yeah, from Baltimore to Seattle just because Seattle's been a place that's known for defense, right? Dan Quinn is certainly uh, a great defensive coordinator, but an older guy. And after having Pete Carroll at 72, I wonder if they want to take another swing at an older guy or they want to go to a, a younger uh, coach to kind of be able to understand this younger generation of NFL players. So I wouldn't be surprised if Mike McDonald ended up going to Seattle. But that shocked me that, that he's not convinced Ben Johnson is getting the commander's job because we've been talking about this for weeks. Yeah. Grant, and you've had the Ben Johnson alert for more than a month now. Yeah, Grant, Grant uh, I think just about every single play call in the Lions' first half, Grant had a tweet <laughs> with yeah. a picture of Ben Johnson on it about – I, I would also be surprised, but I, you never know. I, it's always what it is. You never know. Yeah. No, you're right about that. All right, let's uh, recap the two games here. Um, Chiefs, Ravens. Uh, I'm a stub. What's your biggest takeaway? I think mine is just I'm blown away by the fact that the Ravens got blanked in the second and third quarter in the biggest game of their season at home with the crowd rocking like that. It just didn't look like the team we'd watched the last 18, 19 games they played. Uh, yeah. I was. It was just sad. It, I, it didn't look like them. It didn't look like Lamar. He wasn't having these huge runs. He had a couple short ones. Nothing crazy. A couple of missed throws. Some some bad throws from Lamar. It yeah, just I wasn't think he what got I was used to. I think he got caught in the mindset of I have to be better than Patrick Mahomes to win this game. I have to be nearly perfect. And he was, you know, he was scrambling a lot around the backfield on times where I almost thought he could have stayed in the pocket and kept his feet stationary there and then because of that he was throwing off balance and and missing a few passes and then his guys you know dropped a few passes as well and then the Zay fumble and yeah. and that was the turning point in the game that just that can't happen uh Lamar spoke to the uh media after the game about his message to Zay Flowers after that fumble look Zay Flowers been one of the best rookie receivers in the NFL he was a star all season long uh, but him too tried to do a little too much there um, I always feel like you got to go down at the one yard line and then just know and trust your offensive line that you can tush push it in yeah. I, I always say if you're stretching like that to the end zone you're not you're not you're being selfish that's what you're yeah being, it, Flowers. It, it's a big he risk. wanted his own touchdown he in, it's too much of a I risk. think if he tucked it and pushed he could have still made it you know right uh, it was it was just too risky he tried to lay out too early but you got to give credit. And then he credit. didn't even. He, oh, go ahead. He didn't even try to get his his own fumble, right? Yeah. Like you he, saw, it was like he was confident that he was in the end zone. He didn't even try for it. I want to play Lamar's message to Zay after the game, though. Do we have that stub? Yeah, we do. Let me get that. Here we go. All right. This is Lamar Jackson, quarterback. For we will get it back next time. We're not worried about that. You know, we all make mistakes. Um, this is first season. Um, it's my first time in this situation. It's his first time in this situation. We're gonna bounce back. You know, um, nobody played the game perfect. I think Lamar said it. Right there, right? This is their first time in that big situation at home. I mean, the Ravens have been to the AFC title game 
three times in, in my lifetime at least. Um, but this was the first time that it was Lamar Jackson. This was the first time for Zay Flowers. And the veteran presence of the Chiefs uh, helped them win that game without scoring in the second half. That's also uh, a big one there. I mean, Chiefs get blanked for the entire second half, but their defense came to play. It ended up being a defensive battle in a matchup of two MVP quarterbacks. Let's take a listen to Andy Reid, the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, after the win, the job is not done, but the Chiefs are happy to be back in the big game. Uh, one thing, Valle, it's tough to back-to-back-to-back seasons. That's a tough thing. you played a lot of football games, and you've got to work through that. You've got to work through that mentally. That's not an easy thing. I'm so happy for the guys and how they how they handled that. When it came time to put the hammer down, they put the hammer down, which was which was important. And the best part is we're not done. We we've got another game, and you love these seasons to carry on as long as they can possibly carry on, and and we're there. And now we we've got to get right back at it and and start grinding for whoever wins this this game here. Stub, I don't know about you, but I, I just the the whole second half, I just always felt like Andy Reid was going to win that game. Like his, yeah, his guys were was. more motivated; they were going to like make less mistakes. And if it came down to it, I trust Patrick Mahomes to go win it for them on the final drive. The Ravens got in their own way, and and like I said, with the Ravens not not being the team all regular season, this was not the Chiefs like they were regular season. Kelsey is a bit right. of a monster. Marquez yeah. got that game winning catch. I mean, I guess it wasn't game winning, but an important catch when he's been dropping. There was not a lot of drops. They're just looking yeah. better than they've looked all season. And they were able to fight through a little bit of drama in their own locker room. Did you see the report? Uh, Kadarius Tony yes. was held out. He was a late scratch, and they said he was injured. And then he took to Instagram <laughs> Live to say, he said, F that BS, I'm not injured, right? Yeah. I mean, did you watch I, any I, of that I, clip? It was very <laughs> weird. It is weird. And, and I know he hasn't played the best all season, and maybe they just wanted him out. I don't yeah. know, but they got the win. And there was also the, the drama with Justin Tucker with Mahomes and Kelsey. You see that? No, I didn't. What was the Justin uh, Tucker during, thing? During, like, before the game, uh, uh, I guess oh, Tucker they was were, kicking they on were, their yeah. side, and they were, like, throwing his helmet <laughs> and his kickstand out of the way. They were they were kicking his kickstand out of the way. I thought it was quite funny. Yeah. Uh, apparently, like, um, that's a lot of teams do that to kickers. Kick, apparently, I just realized kickers, I guess, get treated like crap in the NFL. <laughs> I, so. I thought I... I I guess we should have known that, you know, because people always joke, oh, they're not really NFL players, they're just specialists. Uh, but, yeah, Tucker was getting clowned before the game. We go over to the late game Lions against the 49ers. Uh, my biggest takeaway in this one was that Brock Purdy was much more than a game manager. Brock Purdy went out and threw for 267 yards and a touchdown, quarterback rating of 88.1, much better than Jared Goff's 59.9. He won that quarterback duel. That's why they won the game. He also has uh, some sort of divine luck on his hands. Uh, just <laughs> the, the bounce off the helmet into Ayuk's yeah. hands. I, I, I think if anyone is, is being intervened with cosmically, it is Brock Purdy. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Um, also, you know, they had a fumble that they recovered themselves. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's – look, the 49ers, I think, deserve to be in the Super Bowl with – the way they played all season long and the way they played uh, in the second half of that game. It's just it's disappointing to see the Lions were basically, you know, what, uh, 30 minutes away uh, from yeah. the Super Bowl. They just couldn't get it done. Let's take a listen to the head coach, Dan Campbell, on the Lions' struggles during the final stretch of the game. 
Honestly, right now, I can't put my finger on that. That's not like us, you know. We had plays to be made that we just didn't make. We normally do. And so fourth quarter, you feel like we're going to get it back, and we just couldn't quite get over the hump. And we just, that hasn't been us all year. And it showed up today at the worst time. You know what? He, he made a good point there. That's not who they've been, but they also don't have the experience. Yeah. The experience <laughs> matters, and it, the experience mattered uh, more for the 49ers and for the Chiefs in the conference championship games on Sunday. I mean, really, when you think about it, the 49ers used their experience of getting to the Super Bowl in 2020 to come from behind in the second half. They never felt like they were out of it, even though the Lions were shushing the crowd and, and waving goodbye to them. And then same with the Chiefs, right? The Chiefs didn't get rocked as their offense struggled in the third and the fourth quarter. The defense stepped up, and defense wins championships. And so the big game, the big matchup is set for 49ers against the Kansas City Chiefs. And, of course, you get a full week of AWOD on the road. Bud Light big week game. Uh, it's going to be a ton of fun broadcasting live from Radio Row. I'll be staying at the Giant Dorito, the Luxor Hotel. You're going to be Want it? You're going to want to be locked to 910 The Fan now at 105.1 FM as Michael Phillips and myself broadcast live from 10 to 3 here on the East Coast from Vegas. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. Happy Monday, everybody. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio 910 The Fan now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for VCU basketball, UVA hoops, Virginia Tech Hokies, the Nats, the Caps, the Wiz, and of course the Washington Commanders. Castle Coliseum, the place tonight for a big time college hoops matchup here with number seven Duke traveling to face off against the Virginia Tech Hokies on a three game win streak. Live from the Castle Coliseum, you can hear it right here on 910 The Fan for Virginia Tech against Duke. Joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, one of our college basketball insiders, it is Marcus Mook Washington. What's going on, Mook? Hey, how you doing today, my man? And you're right, that is a huge game in Blacksburg. I mean, it's going to be a good one. So give us your game preview. Virginia Tech 13-7, and now 5-4 and in the ACC after the three straight wins. Duke number seven in the country, 15-4, and and 6-2 and in the ACC. Well, for, Georgia Tech, uh, for Virginia Tech, it is controlling pace. I, this is a game where if they can have it where it's a limited possession game and then you can get guys like Fator and Padula really to control the pace, hit the three-point shot. They're going to have to shoot that well. This Duke yeah. team, I know a bunch of five stars, four stars, and a game like this, they're going to want it to be a high-possession game. You saw how they played Clemson at times. They really wanted to push the ball up because they didn't want to play a rock fight with Clemson either and make it a half-court game. Now you can say that Duke was uh, uh, rewarded uh, down, down the stretch of the Clemson game, but I think that Clemson shows uh, just a good blueprint for how to beat Duke, which is, hey, look, guys, if you control the pace and don't turn the ball over – don't have to hit 15 threes, but stretch them out be, being able to uh, hit the three. You can still get them in the paint. That's going to be important for Virginia Tech tonight. Shoot the three well, low turnovers, and paint points. And the Hokies will have a shot, certainly at home, um, against Duke. But, hey, you talk about the Hokies, let me tell you, they had a big recruit on campus for that Georgia Tech game in, in Jordan Scott. 
That's awesome, man. And and you're right, dude. I, I do think it's going to come down to Tech's ability to hit the three-point shot. In, in their wins this year, uh, you know, they've shot better than 35%. In their losses, they've really struggled. And they've turned the ball over a ton. So I think it's going to be all about efficient offense and starting to hit their three-point shot with Couture and Sean Padula. How do you think the Hokies match up defensively against Duke? Because they've got some some star power on this Blue Devils roster. If, if you want to be kind of nerdish about the, the game tonight, chart how many times Duke can get two feet in the paint. If Duke can go and drive into the gaps and get two feet in the paint, their entire offense opens up. And then they are very, very difficult to beat because now all their talent shows because you're getting the ball to their talent in space. So defensively for the Hokies, that's what it is. Cut off dribble penetration. Don't let them get two feet in the paint. Make that first dribble. Have Duke go side to side and don't let them gobble up real estate. Make those guys. Because what Duke will do, if they do not get into the paint and that first dribble doesn't gain real estate, you'll notice they'll stand around a lot. That weak side, there won't be any actions. Guys will be watching the ball. That's when Duke gets in trouble on offense. So for Virginia Tech, you don't have to be, you know, Patrick Beverly and shut the guy down. But what you have to do is make the first dribble go sideways, push him towards your help, and then be in weak side and make Duke's guards into decision makers. And you'll see their percentage go down. You'll see Duke have some empty possessions, and all of that will play a part. It's got to be a team defense effort. Marcus Mook Washington with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, one of our college hoops insiders here on the fan. UVA on a four-game win streak. They will host Notre Dame. Uh, that's coming up on Wednesday. As Look, this is a UVA team that you know is starting to play some really good basketball at the right time, and we're seeing them locked down defensively as of late. Yeah, and one of the things that have happened is, one, getting Dante Harris back. That does take a lot of pressure. Um, off of the offense and off of having the ball handling solely go through Reese Beekman. And Jordan Minor is starting yeah. to pick up what the system is. And because of that, now you're seeing UVA get more easy points. And then that defense looks better and better and better. So two guys that probably weren't on a lot of people's radar has been the reason why you're seeing Virginia pick up. Virginia's just one of those teams, and I know you know this, because of those things and how to pick up their system and how how long it takes to, with this roster, they're going to be so much better in February when everyone has forgotten about them. And then they're going to get to February and March, they're going to be like, here comes UVA, because now those guys are playing together, they know the system, they're getting the prerequisite easy baskets. They'll open up things for McNeely and Rody hit threes. And then you'll see that typical Virginia team you've seen for years. Mook is in the nation's capital, and Georgetown had a big road game over the weekend. I watched. They were at Providence, the return game for Ed Cooley. Mook, they blow it, man. I don't know how they were so bad uh, defensively with those turnovers dur- during the stretch of that game. They had that game. I think it was tied with like three minutes left. Yeah, tied with three minutes left. They take the lead on the Jaden Epps corner three, 69-66. And we have seen this out of Georgetown in about three of their last five games. They had Xavier beat on the road and, and some horrible turnovers. Uh, at the end, and even though they did have a chance, uh, Jay Heath did have a layup. 
at the front of the rim. He misses it. Xavier escapes. Over here at Cap 1, they had Seton Hall down with about two and a half minutes left and then gave it away because of turnovers. And then, obviously, the Providence game where uh, this is where coaching comes into play, and this is not the fault Ed Cooley. But if you go back to the end of the Xavier game, when it was a crucial uh, possession, they went 1-4 low with Jaden Epps with the ball. And what Xavier did was come out of the timeout was they doubled the ball out of Epps' hands. Fast forward to Saturday against, uh, against Providence, same situation. This time Ed goes and he says, you know what, we're not going to start with the ball in, in Epps' hands, so you can't double it out. We're going to run a stagger for him and get it in motion, see if we can force Providence into a bad switch. And what ended up happening was because Jay Heath is not a primary ball handler, which has bedeviled Georgetown all season, not being able to have a primary ball handler on that roster. He habit passes into a horrible turnover, which turns into a three-point play, which turns into a flagrant one, which turns into basically the game being over. But we have seen this five times from Georgetown losing at the end. Holy Cross, TCU, Xavier, Seton Hall, and Providence. Mm. If they win three of the five games, our narrative towards Georgetown is completely different. But by losing all five, um, you know, there is some apprehension here in the nation's capital. Well, we're talking Big East Conference. Do you think UConn is, is the best team in the country right now, once again? I think they're playing the best in the country. You know, one of the things is look over at the Big 12 and look over at the Mountain West. You just cannot uh, be one of those box score bandits. Those teams and the competition they face every night, and this is nothing against the Big East, is so rugged. You can have five losses in that conference, and it won't be indicative of how good you are. UConn right now is the best team, no doubt, but I look at a team like Houston. I'm still bullish on Houston, despite a couple weeks ago them losing a couple games in the same week. So, yeah, uh, Hurley obviously – he is repeating with this roster when they got clinging back. That also helped them. They're already winning without him, and it helped them to win even more with them. But March is just going to be fun because I truly don't know uh, who the best team is going to be. Heck, when we get to March, you know, Kansas could rise again. Marcus Mook Washington here with us on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Over to the A-10 where two of the th- top three teams and three of the top five are in the state of Virginia. George Mason, fifth place, four and three. VCU has climbed the standings now with five straight wins to five and two. They're in third. And the Richmond Spiders, seven and zero, oh, the top of the conference. How much have you covered Richmond this year? Well, I've I've watched them a couple times, and it's just a a brilliant job where recruiting. You don't recruit four stars and five stars. You recruit for your system. Uh, and that's what they've done in Richmond. They've recruited for the system. Like you said, they've won 10 in a row. What's impressed me the most is look at how many road games they've won in the conference. Good, good conference wins come at home. Great conference wins come on the road. You lose a guy like uh, Tyler Burton, who people felt like is, was the one NBA player that was on uh, Richmond's roster that's up at Villanova now. And I think what the thought process was is uh, Richmond might be middle of the pack, lower of the pack. But when again, when you have a, a system similar to what Tony Bennett does, when you have a system and you recruit towards that system, you can always compete. And I think that's what we're seeing out of Richmond. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like you're seeing a confident coach running his system to perfection, and that's Chris Mooney, and the team is 7-0 in conference play. That's Marcus Washington. Follow him on social media at MTC with Mook. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks a lot, my buddy. Yep, that was a ton of fun. Talking a little college hoops with Mook on the fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. We've got Matt Valdez from the Sports Junkies. Rick Valdez upset about his Ravens losing. Coming up next. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck for the return of Burger Night. That's every Monday at three of their Richmond area locations, Innsbruck, Downtown, or Midlothian. Get a cheeseburger for just $2.95 or add bacon and beer cheese for $3.95. Not going to find a better deal than that around town. Of course, I'm broadcasting live here every Monday throughout the rest of the NFL season. Come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show. Take an extended lunch break here on a Monday. You deserve it. We'll get into the Commanders. In the 2 p.m. hour, talk about Ben Johnson. I believe he's going to be the next head coach, even though Adam Schefter's coming out on the Pat McAfee show right now and making headlines, saying that it's not locked in stone. We'll talk VCU hoops with Matt Shelton-Eyde at 2.30. But joining us right now on the Adid Mercer rug cleaning hotline, uh, he is a crab enthusiast and a golf expert and also a diehard Ravens fan. It is Rick Valdez, Matt Valdez on the Hadid Mercer rug cleaning hotline. What's going on, Matt? Hey, Adam. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. And we were all here in Richmond excited and looking forward to the day that you drove that old beater car down 95 to get your (laughs) hair dyed Odell Beckham blonde. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen, though. No, it's not. It was a shocking and tough one yesterday. Uh, but you know what? I will say next year, if they win the Super Bowl, I promise to do the same thing for you, Adam. Oh, I love that. We got a year-long sweat now, 365-day sweat. Now, the reason I wanted to get you on the show is because of your tweet that I saw uh, making headlines. Over 30,000 impressions right now. That's the kind of impact in the DMV Matt Valdez has. I put my balls out on the line. No one on the show made any predictions before the games today. I can't wait for Bish to say, we'll see for every game. Terrific, terrific tweet there. <laughs> Thank you. I did put my balls out on the line. I called them the, 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 the Super Bowl champions prematurely, but with, with cause. This just wasn't a, a tingle play that I had on the Ravens. This wasn't me being blinded by super fandom. But the statistics align. The Ravens, and I think I told you this on Friday, the Ravens DBOA, which measures efficiency, for lack of a better term, offense and defense, was the highest of all time. And that includes the great teams like the 85 Bears, like the undefeated 2007 Patriots, even the beloved 91 Redskins. Um, there are statistics that batch uh, that, that – uh, Backed my claim, and I really thought it was the year they've been playing great. Um, the coaching has been playing great. Uh, they're able to game plan well, adjust well, and they kind of just got uh, a shock to their system. It looked like yesterday. Um, if it, it could be any team that's that's not the Ravens next year, if they had the same kind of DVOA and the same kind of statistical trend that the Ravens did. I probably would call them uh, uh, the greatest team of all time or crown them Super Bowl champs. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think what went wrong was it came down to experience in the big moment. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and the head coach, Andy Reid, just have more of that experience than this young Ravens team, especially a guy like Zay Flowers, who made uh, two just terrible mistakes there in the second half. But I want to get to the bottom of Rick Valdez here. You, you were upset, I think, at sports hosts in general that just sit on the fence and don't pick sides. Well, I was upset. I was upset that our show, our show had no preview of the game or any of the games for the weekend. Nobody made any picks. And here I am, uh, proclaiming that this is the best team of all time, that, that they're, that they're going to win the Super Bowl. And I didn't, and uh, they just let me cook. They, they were watching yeah. the, the chef cook and no one offered any, uh, any kind of counterpoint. Nobody made any kind of, prediction on the game and then that just that ricked me getting it getting attacked and getting mocked because i put my balls out on the line no one else had any skin <laughs> in the game it felt like it was all it was just all valdez i know but you know what it was entertaining radio I, here's the problem with your hot take and it was a hot take i mean if people missed it he called the ravens maybe the best nfl team of all time better than that patriots team that won 17 and 0 even though they eventually did lose the big game as well the problem with your hot take is that I don't think you're ever going to be able to claim IJS again. You can't say it's just sports when you have that hot of a take about your team. Look, at the end of the day, it is a sport, and we, we are passionate about it, but you, you, it, it does help to keep some perspective. It's not, the, it's not everything in life, and that's probably what's going to get me to training camp uh, after a loss like that is, uh, is telling me that. And then uh, I guess I have to look forward to pitchers and catchers reporting. Well, the other thing is that, you know, you've been in this industry for longer than me here, and a lot of the things I've learned about radio are from you and Drab. I give you guys a, a ton of credit for that. Uh, but it's all about taking the emotional aspect out of it. And I do think the Ravens are the only team left maybe that gets you really that emotional. Like, you're a Terp, but I'm not sure that Maryland basketball gets you feeling the way the Ravens do. Well, it's, just, it's also, you know, uh, I, I, I just think that this was their year. I, I guess it's hard to describe. <laughs> Obviously not, Matt. <laughs> it was hard to describe because this was the best. This was the best team that I've seen in Ravens history. You know, and I've right. watched. I've watched all, pretty much every single game in franchise history. And this team this year was the best ever assembled. I mean, the stats. The stats backed up backed up the claim, and it wasn't just the the eye test. But they had the numbers to prove it. And if you're unable to win a Super Bowl, let alone get to the Super Bowl with what you think is the best team that you've watched since 1996 uh, when the franchise came to Baltimore, then, you know, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty demoralizing. Because if you can't, yeah. if you can't win a Super Bowl with, with this loaded of a team, then the team's got some problems. And it's going to be hard to win, and it's going to be hard to win if, if you can't even get there. And Valdez was so emotionally invested that he stepped back onto Twitter after getting off the app for quite some time. He's on Twitter at Matt underscore Valdez, sitting over well, twenty two thousand followers. Well, everyone, everyone was clamoring. Everyone yeah. was clamoring for my for my opinion, and I just I gave the people what they wanted. Um, you know, it just all of uh, all of the naysayers came out of the woodworks after the game yesterday. You know, everyone just sits. Everyone sits on the sideline. Uh, and, and waits for, I guess, waits for the shoe to drop uh, and then adds their two cents. 
So I was I was entertaining everyone. Um, I was uh, I was given a piece of my mind about what they should yeah. do in the future, and uh, I was but just wh- giving the people what they wanted. What I can't tell is a bit or not though. It- is that you're, you seem to be over Lamar Jackson. You, you said you voted yes that he's a choker in the playoffs. You, you, you tweeted several times that you would like to have him traded. You're over Lamar Jackson. Are you doing a bit here, or are you just too emotionally invested? I mean, what's, this, what's going on no, with Lamar? No, I think, I think, I think it, like I said, if, if Lamar is unable to get to a Super Bowl with the team that was assembled, um, then I think he must be the problem, and it's time to move on. Heck, I would even I would even uh, uh, cons- strongly consider strongly consider moving on from John Harbaugh too. I I propose this, and this is a this is a trade that I would I would do in a heartbeat. Is if the Commanders would offer up their second overall pick and some sort of package that included Lamar Jackson, I would entertain it. I probably would do it. Because it's obvious that Lamar has his limitations, especially uh, in the in the in the playoffs, not necessarily yeah, but don't the you preseason. Understand how cra- that just sounds so crazy after a thirteen and four MV type P type season, and, and you lose to the Kansas City Chiefs, who always get to the Super Bowl. You know, every year only one team ever makes it out of the AFC. At least you got to the big game. I would kill. Yeah, for but that. getting there, Adam, you know this. Getting there is not enough. You know, you can't you can't just keep celebrating bronze and silver medals, right? You want to win the whole thing, and if there seems to be a common a common shortcoming that's happening every year, then why would you continue down that path? Insanity because is doing. The you same are so thing you are such a spoiled fan. You're such a spoiled. You've been to what four AFC title games in your lifetime? Well, I've been to zero. You've won how many division titles? I don't think you realize just how good you've got it. Being a Ravens fan, where Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl, that should have never happened. You've already hoisted the Lombardi Trophy. You've had so much success. Yes, you didn't win it all this year, but just take like I have a friend. All right, he's my age and he lives in Baltimore. Over the weekend, he was posting photos of every AFC title game that he's been at, and it was like four or five photos in my lifetime. I've never been to one of those big games. Well, your inadequacies uh, shouldn't reflect how I feel about my team. I just feel that that all all of these shortcomings, there seems to be a common thread, and that it's that Lamar is losing in these games. He may not be the the, the main reason for the loss, but he is losing. And what I was saying is insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. And we're on the verge of insanity here. We keep getting <laughs> to these games and we keep running it back with the same team and the same coaches and going, oh, shucks, maybe next year will be our year. And when you keep doing that, you're not going to end up in the Super Bowl. You're not going to win anything. You need to change something if things are not going correctly. And that's why I propose the change. I, I would propose a change in head coach and moving oh on God. from Lamar Jackson. See, Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Insanity, to me, is also suggesting you trade the league MVP. You're upset. Your team lost. You're not going to be saying this in three weeks, Valdez. We know that. The stock has never been higher. The stock has never been higher. You're going to get the best price you can for him now. And you can and you can try and and get at that uh, goal of of a Super Bowl next year with a different cast of characters. And if that doesn't work, 
then you infect change again. Keep changing, keep adapting, keep evolving until you reach your goal. Yeah, so let's trade Lamar Jackson and draft three quarterbacks while we're at it, right? That's that's Matt Valdez's key to success. Look, <laughs> look Alex, Alex Smith had the Kansas City Chiefs uh, in the same position that the Baltimore Ravens were in, where they were contending, they were playoff teams, they were they were on the fringe of, of winning the division. Alex Smith uh, was was good in in, in San Francisco. Uh, he was good with Andy Reid and Kansas City, and they didn't they didn't become complacent. They wanted to draft the be- uh, one of the best quarterbacks that was available. And that's what you're going to have to do if you want to beat Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes is you got to find somebody better than Patrick Mahomes. And Lamar Jackson is not better than Patrick Mahomes. So you got to do whatever you can. You have to uh, turn up every rock. Uh, you have to look at every, every college quarterback there is and try and find the person who can beat him because Lamar Jackson is not the guy who can beat Patrick Mahomes. He's well the guy said, that Matt. can win you. He's the guy that can win you a regular season MVP. He's not the guy who can win you an AFC Conference Championship game. Well, the proof will be in the pudding in the next few years, right? Uh, that is true, but uh, but that but that's what I would propose uh, the the organization to do is to. I'm going to hold it to you. Re- I'm, I'm going to hold you to it. Re- I'm going to ask you in three months from now. I'm going to ask you in six months from now if you still feel the same way about Lamar Jackson. Right. You you cannot become complacent and you cannot rest on your laurels as an organization if you're not accomplishing the goal of going to the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. Valdez, we appreciate you taking the time, and thanks for the strong opinions. We love hosts with opinions on the fan. <laughs> thanks, Adam. Yep. That's Matt Valdez from the Sports Junkies. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.